And what's interesting is I always tell people when they hire us, if you are not ready for your name to be in lights, then don't come to us. Because <laughs> what we believe in doing is we believe in putting supplier diversity and the things that are being done in supplier diversity on full display for the entire corporation. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. My name is Chloe, and I am with my co-host, Adam, and today we are joined with the principal of M.H. Johnson & Associates, Marilyn Johnson. Marilyn has 25 years of experience in management and marketing and is a strong leader in all avenues of program development, management and facilitation, strategic sourcing, vendor evaluation, and development. Welcome to the show, Marilyn. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Chloe, for having me and Adam. Thank you all. This is such a pleasure to be able to talk about some of the things that's definitely most important to me, which is MH Johnson & Associates, my company. I've been in business for almost 21 years, which is amazing because I never thought that I'd be in business that long. Actually, Chloe, the secret <laughs> is I never planned to be in business at all. I was looking for a job and I turned a, a project into a job. But really what we do, we are supplier development and supplier diversity consultants. And mm. we are so happy to be able to help companies yeah. help other companies. Right, 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 right. And I feel like that there's such a huge need for that because so many companies, they get started and they say, you know, we want to build a supplier diversity program and they start creating metrics. But the development piece, which I feel like is the right. most critical component, if you kind of just put the, the metrics aside, is always missing. So mm -hmm. I'm so glad to hear that that is something that you guys do. And so tell us a little bit about you know, how that came to be. You said you started with a project. Talk to us a little bit about your, your track and your journey. So this journey, anyone who's been in business for themselves know the journey is never, ever straight. It starts one way and it ends up another. I originally started out uh, telling people I was a marketing consultant. Mm -hmm. but the difference was I was a marketing consultant that specialized in programs. And so when you talk mm -hmm. to people and you say, well, I'm marketing that's a real big term right. and people just think of all kinds of things. And then they'll, if you say programs, then they want to think of you as a tech person. But I was fortunate to find a really, my one of my very first big clients who understood exactly what it was. Mm. And I started talking to them about how 
small to mid-sized companies really could use some of the just knowledge that large corporations had right. that most corporations don't even think about. Like if you're an employee at a company that has a learning center, that has right. seminars, how about this? Back in the day, it was even a big deal to have a copy machine. If you had that <laughs> stuff, you were light years ahead of a lot of small and some mid-sized businesses. And so I started thinking about how I could package something that would allow the large corporations to share their internal knowledge with some of the smaller businesses that wanted to, to do business with them. And those companies also impact the communities in which they sit. Right. So I was able to talk to um, one of the leaders out there and she said, you know, I've never heard of anybody who does this. Now, mind you, that was about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, from there, it just took off the programs that we developed has been, it's actually won awards, but it has impacted over probably 500 companies globally. That is just incredible. Just from them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And it was all about me figuring out how to help smaller companies through the talent of larger companies. I just kind of put them all together. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. That is so brilliant. And I think that oftentimes companies, you know, they're focused on their core, you know, what Mm -hmm. their core competencies and their core business is, but, you know, it's so important to, you know, educate your suppliers on your business and also educate them and making sure that they're prepared to do business with you and making sure that their businesses are stable. Once they do get to contracting stage, you want to make sure that your businesses have some sort of program and that, you know, your organization has a track for your suppliers, whether they be diverse or not. But I love that you specifically focus more, you know, on um, some of the supplier diversity programs. Yeah. The supply diversity people just in general, the professionals in the industry are so dedicated and they're not only dedicated, but they're overwhelmed a lot of times. I've seen companies go from really large programs where they have five to 10 people all the way down to two. Mm. And I've had some amazing clients and I always joke with them and say that they're a strong team of one. Because, and I mean, these people are churning, just trying to do their jobs, trying to help suppliers get business, mm-hmm. but also in instances where there are no opportunities, they're trying to figure out, and that's where the development piece comes in. Mm-hmm. What else can we do to help impact, positively impact diverse owned businesses? Right, right. So that is definitely one way for our corporations who are who are listening, you know, if you're thinking, you know, we don't necessarily have purchasing or procurement opportunities, you know, this particular year, although those are great, you know, what are some other things that we can do? And what other organizations can we partner with to help us, especially if we have a small team and your bandwidth and capacity is is minimal. Mm -hmm, So I, I definitely think that that's important. Because what I do see is a lot of entrepreneurs are really good technically, on the technical aspects. But then when you think about sometimes growing their business or growing it to scale, you need some support around that. And, and I think that's why these development programs are so, so critical. Yeah, they really are. So talk to me about the importance of just te- overall team building. And I'm sure that this is something that is probably at the core because you're trying to, to marry these, these corporations and some of their organizational goals and objectives to the development of some of these smaller 
or medium-sized businesses. Talk to me about how, what team building really, really looks like there. And what's interesting is I always tell people when they hire us, if you are not ready for your name to be in lights, then don't come to us. Because what we believe in doing is we believe in putting supplier diversity and the things that are being done in supplier diversity on full display for the entire corporation. Mm -hmm. So when you start talking about team building, that's massive team building at the highest scale. We like to look at it and say, listen, you can't do this by yourself, nor do we want you to, but there are people within your organization that might not really even know what you do as mm -hmm. much as you think they should, they don't. Because right. everybody is, you know, they're busy working every day trying to get their jobs done. But what we like to do is start educating people internally, mm. talk to them about really what supplier diversity is, yeah. carve out their role and involve them. And it's so funny, Chloe, that for all the programs that we have built, we've never had anyone decline an offer mm. to present for suppliers. Because what we do is we go in, we have a very tight ask for everyone. This is mm. all we need you to do. This is how this impacts these companies. And oh, by the way, your supplier diversity person is at the heart of all of this. And so you start building that team of people. And even if you're the strong team of one, when you start, we've had it where people have had folks in different divisions up to like 50 some odd people work with them to bring their development program together. And it's pretty effortless because all I'm asking usually is for people to talk about what they do. Mm. What large companies don't really think about is things that you've paid major corporations, major consulting firms to just go and investigate and bring you the knowledge. It stops at your door. Right. And then once you have the knowledge, you think you're like, okay, I got it but you've now learned it, you've executed on it. And so you have a lot to share with folks who've never even heard of this. One example is a few years ago, there was this thing called cloud. Mm. Everybody's like, what is a cloud? Like they look like, <laughs> what are you talking about about a cloud? <laughs> and we had this one guy, he was head of IT group come mm -hmm. in and talk about how in the future, all technology would transition to the cloud and everybody's still going, what cloud? Like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> now I'm going to fast track you to today and yeah. ask you how much information, especially since your understanding of technology, yeah. how much information do you actually hold on any one physical device? Mm, hardly zero, really. <laughs> I mean, it's, you're right. it's all it's in the stored cloud. in the cloud, right? Uh -huh. Right, right. Right. And had we not tapped into it and said, hey, you guys are researching this. You have consultants who's talking about it. Mm. Smaller companies get that information years after the major corporations do. Right. And so it was that part where it's like all of a sudden now you have somebody in the technology group as part of the team for supplier diversity. And so then the next iteration of the program they would ask, hey, when is the next program? We're working on this. I mean, it was so that team building was something it was very organic yeah. and people started to fully understand. I, Chloe, I truly believe at the end of the day, most people truly want to help each other Absolutely. personally as far and as professionals. And so when you give them a role and they feel like that role is valued, oh, you're talking about a solid team. You have one. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's great. 
And then on the flip side, I'm sure that there are some challenges as well when you're working with various people from the organization. How do you manage that as, as an outside consultant? Well, normally when, when people hire us, they already know what we do because right. I've talked to them, but I have been um, gifted to another person. So I started a contract and uh, the supply diversity person moved into another position. Mm-hmm. And so the new person was sitting there going, well, what am I supposed to do with you? because just imagine you just started this job you're just trying to figure out the role and now you have this consultant that has been contracted to build this development program and you're trying to figure out what the heck supplier diversity is yeah and so there has been hesitancy because people look at it and go well this is a lot of work and I'm going to tell you it is a lot of work but that's why you have us yeah to help with the lift, right. but if you don't understand everything, it can seem overwhelming. Yeah, definitely can seem overwhelming. Yeah. So you don't want to give me as a gift if you're not ready to, to really um, allow us to help handle some of it. Cause, and we do, right, we pull right. as much weight as we can. So have you ever been pulled into a situation where there may be conflict even between some of the suppliers or vendors and, you know, maybe some of the internal sort of category managers or how do you, you know, handle any of that in terms of just when you think about just development or training some of the small businesses around, you know, handling some of these things when they are your client and you want to say yes and you want to, you know, do everything that they ask, but sometimes you can't as a small business and that can can raise conflict as well. Have you got, have you guys touched on any of that and how do you help navigate the companies and small businesses navigate that? So what we typically do, so the answer is yes, we have run into conflict. Usually Mm -hmm. what happens is everybody is starting to apply to these programs from a supplier side because they see it as a business development opportunity. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the people that are initially sent to the programs are the business development folks because this is their way of getting inside of a company to meet people who make decisions. Right, right. They're in the problem lies because the program is about education. Mm. And if all I'm worried about is sales numbers, Mm. then I see this as a waste of time. Mm. And so some of my clients have had hard conversations with even some of the larger diverse companies to say, look, this is about developing your company you will meet people. We will not guarantee business. Right. So if you are still interested in learning, yeah, definitely come in. If you're not, then this may not be the right opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. And that has to be the hard line. And, and Chloe, trust me, as a business owner myself, you know, we have to go out there and we have to sell. Yes. And every opportunity we get to go and meet with people that we would never have met at a conference, we we take it. Mm-hmm. But we also have to look at this as what it truly is. It's about building our capacity right. so that we can service our existing customers. And then when the opportunity comes, we can service the new customer. And some of the programs only take existing customers, I mean, existing, existing suppliers. suppliers. Mm-hmm. Some take a blend of existing suppliers and new suppliers, and some only take new. I've had programs where they knew that none of the, none of the participants would ever be their supplier, but mm. they also knew that 
the things that they provided them from an education perspective was priceless. Mm-hmm. And so it's just the clarity and in, in making sure that everybody understands what they're getting into. Sometimes yeah. though, people don't want to hear what you got to say. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I think that's so important though. Setting the right expectations though, too, yeah. is like understanding on both sides because that's the first thing I think when conflict arises is people have different expectations. Yeah. And so to your point, like if you're sending your business development person, they're thinking we're going to get business as soon as mm-hmm. we finish this program, setting the right expectations on both sides, I think is critical to yeah. the success. Yeah. So that, that has been, that's usually some of the more uncomfortable experiences for some folks, but yeah. Yeah. So in terms of development, you know, when we're thinking about some of, um, the corporations that are are listening, your what is your thought on sort of developing suppliers based on the unique needs of that organization, or just creating an overall sort of develop general development program that may not be unique to that you know individual enterprise organization? What have you seen sort of the best strategy? Every program we create is super unique. It just depends on what that company wants. Yeah. But what we do is we utilize the vast majority of the programs we create, we utilize internal resources. Perfect. Because yeah. the idea is to develop a supplier who understands your business, right. who understands your culture. And when you start developing a supplier, just general, I mean, there is some need for that, but truth be told, there are other organizations that do it better. Right, right. I mean, you have the certification organizations, they do it better. You have Tuck, you have Northwestern, they Mm -hmm. do general education better. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So when you think about just the overall companies, how does Myers-Briggs indicators Mm -hmm. sort of assist these companies? How do the different personality types really kind of help or hurt? some of these organizations so first and foremost I absolutely love Myers-Briggs I do too I you do oh my gosh yes I love Myers-Briggs it is to me the smartest astrology reading you could ever get you know how people are like well what's your sign it's like no I'm ESTJ what's yours right (laughs) so um Myers-Briggs we for some clients not all clients use Myers-Briggs everybody has their own sure um own tool that they use. But at the end of the day, it's very important for people to understand who they are and how they work with others. Right. Myers-Briggs is the cheater form of doing that. You take that assessment, you have the right one because we do several different ones. So you can have a general assessment where it just kind of tells you a little bit about yourself, but then they have those that will tell you how you work with others. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you have the type two that tells you a little bit more in it goes in a little bit more in depth into why you do certain things but at the end of the day chloe what's most important is that you understand who you are your triggers and how you can benefit others by working with you and so when we do myers-briggs facilitations that's really what we talk about i'm a very untraditional facilitator when it comes to that because i worked in corporate and so i can i've gone through the certifications and i've i've been doing myers-briggs for an extremely long time and i know the 
the way that they trained me. And then I just took that whole thing and threw it up. I'm like, that's not going to work. <laughs> when somebody is working next to the other person in the other cube, we have to figure out how these two people are going to coexist. Or so from a company perspective, yeah. as a leader, how do you lead your team? What are some of the, the things that you need to see? And like I always tell people, just because that's what I saw doesn't mean that's what they saw. Yeah. You know, you know, you put the apple up and say, now, what do you see? And I'll say, I see an apple. And the other person will say, I see spring. And you're like, huh? But you have- <laughs> <laughs> different people process things differently. Different, yeah, they see stuff differently. And so right. leaders have to understand that when they are leading teams and we, we facilitate around stuff like that too. Yeah. And they have a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a lot of fun. But, you know, I often, you know, think that companies miss the boat on that. I mean, Mm -hmm. can you talk about how necessary this is for corporations to just kind of practice team building in whatever form that it may be? It is so necessary. So just think we've gone through one heck of a year, over a year. Absolutely. People were trying to figure out what was comfortable for them. Mm -hmm. How should they work together? who should, who's on Zoom, like, how do you work on Zoom and all of the things? And being by yourself is different for everybody. Right. And some companies struggled because when you have people that are used to kind of vibing off of each other, Mm. learning from each other, and now you're putting everybody, it's almost like you have people in silos. Some people do much, much better than others. And so it's important to understand who in the heck is on the team because not even from a leadership perspective, but if you know, like we can do it where we put a team personality together. Mm -hmm. So everybody now Myers-Briggs is so sophisticated that they have an app Mm -hmm. where I can put everybody in your team on your app. You can see the types of folks that you're working with and immediately know hey, I noticed that Joe really wasn't looking too good today. And you can Mm. look and say, you know, maybe we were pressing Joe too much for something right away. Maybe Joe needs some time, some space. And you navigate it that way, understanding that when you see people physically, there's one reaction. When you're doing things virtually, there's something completely different. Things right. are going on on the background. You have children, dogs, somebody's ringing the bell. All of that impacts how they come to work and understanding who those folks are and how they respond and react is super important. Tools like Myers-Briggs and all the other assessment tools can help add that extra level of understanding so that you understand as just a team member how to react and how to respond to each other. So critical. And I think that, you know, also helps with just mentor and protege relationships as well. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys um, help companies with developing sort of the core of mentor protege programs, whether it just be internally between teams or maybe between suppliers and and corporations? Well, what's so cool about mentor protege programs is that figuring out who the right matches are. So traditionally, the way companies did it, not only for supplier and corporate, but also for people internally, especially when you're growing, is, okay, I, my company does 
technology. So then everybody thinks the natural progression is that you should have the chief technology officer be the mentor. But if you think just peel the onion back a layer, you want to find out, is that really what that person wants to do? That's where the Myers-Briggs stuff comes into play. Is that their core strength? Because sometimes it's not about the chief technology wanting to mentor you because they may not be interested in that. They may be interested in in something else and you didn't know that. And so the Mm. pairing of people has to go a little bit deeper than the easy, well, that person does this then that person does that, especially when you start talking about development programs. Mm. When you're talking about building somebody's capacity internally, I get it. Sure. You have a junior person who is um, an associate and you have the senior most person in that division. Yeah, it makes sense. However, when you start talking about companies that might need that additional mentorship, Mm. you want to get into really from a mentor perspective, especially what is it that you like to do? So we generally do, it's not, I wouldn't say a personality assessment, but we just do an interest assessment of the mentors Mm. to figure out where their sweet spot is. Right. And then we look at what the needs of the supplier is and that's how we match them. Which is good. Yeah. That's because you might have comes. you might have different interests than you can see exactly. just on paper or someone's mm-hmm. resume and background. So exactly. And then that's how you immediately sort of connect and build affinities, which, you know, leads to, I'm sure, the long lasting sort of successful mentor protege programs. Yeah, it, it really does, especially when it comes to suppliers, because generally what happens with the suppliers supplier side is the mentor on the corporate side is completely voluntary. Mm-hmm. So if that person is not being fed mentally, they're not going to stay. Right. Which is a whole nother conversation for another day on mm-hmm. just managing talent and making sure that, you know, people are in the right roles. But you, when we talk about just suppliers in general, how important is having a good supplier diversity sort of infrastructure or system, you know, inside mm-hmm. of a corporation and to the success of the overall corporation? So now, because I'm a supplier, I'm going to come at this in a completely different direction. And come I at it. I love there's it. There's a lot of strong supplier diversity for people out there that listen to you all. But as a supplier looking mm-hmm. at it, and, and before I um, started my business, I did have the opportunity to work with supplier diversity, which is why I, I started understanding some of the needs of the supplier diversity professionals. Mm-hmm. As a supplier, what's most important is the need to be interested in learning about other things. Supplier diversity people are generalists. People mm-hmm. need to understand that. There's no way one, two, or three people can know everything about all industries. And so because of that, the supplier diversity people really need to take the time to listen because sometimes they're thrown so many things, they're not listening, not hearing what some of the suppliers say. For instance, this one woman, and I've known her for years and she knew of my work. And she says, she asked me, she says, now tell me what you do again. And I explained to her and she walked away from that going, well, you might need to change how you explain your business because it sounds like you do computer programming. (laughs) I was like, now, how did you get that from this? And you know the work that we've done, but because she had already decided that this is in her mind. Yeah. So there's a learning and she just needed to sit back with it for a minute and understand, listen, listen to what I'm saying. Again, you already know what I do. 
But also from an infrastructure perspective, it is very critical for supply diversity people to get an internal bandwagon. You have to do road shows mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you're not going to survive by yourself. People have to know what you do. Right, right. And I know because I have customers, I know what I'm saying might add an additional several hours to the things that they're already doing, but you're only as effective as the people that you're representing. And those folks are not the ones coming to the conferences, right. They're not the ones getting the emails, they're not receiving all of these phone calls with, with from suppliers asking for business, you mm. have to build that internal infrastructure of people who can support you so that you can kind of pass those opportunities on to suppliers one direction and then suppliers on to internal re resources in the other direction. Mm. That is such a good point. You know, I think oftentimes people can get caught up in sort of the to-dos, the to-do list mm -hmm. that they have on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, I think, um, you know, but, you know, to, to, we've made this point already is just the teams are so small and there is so much that you have to do, but making sure that you are communicating and taking the time to, to do that sort of roadshow yeah. um, is, is critical to the success of the program. And something else I have to say that I think is super important is you have to, when you're doing your roadshow, you have to make sure that the people, your audience understand the history of supply diversity, because they need to know it's bigger than just that one person delivering that presentation. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who don't understand where it came from, right? especially if they don't know what you do. And so right. they're thinking this is something that's relatively new. It's a mandate by the government. Like they don't understand anything. Mm. Having the history, people start to understand, oh, so this is not something that started two, three, four years ago. This is something that started several years ago and it has grown, but it hasn't changed much in the last 25 years. Right. So when we think about just overall companies and the success, you know, what are some of the common mistakes that you've seen companies make when implementing a supplier diversity program just from the onset? One of the common mistakes that I've seen is that people they bring in, they build a supply diversity person, well, supply diversity um, team, they have one person and they expect that person to do everything with no budget. Mm. And you've heard the term, you gotta pay to play. <laughs> you gotta pay to play. Yeah. You have to have a budget. You have to be able to show something. I've had some clients, they struggle to get money to just have a tablecloth at mm. a, an event, um, struggle to get budget to pay for local membership. You have to have a budget. Yeah. Otherwise, you, you know what? You might as well make it a very compliance driven and that's fine if that's what you want. But usually what, what you do is you have people who they see where you have some strong supply diversity programs mm -hmm. that won all these awards, they've read about them, but they don't want to pay for it. It's like, you yeah. can't have both. No, you definitely can't. Yeah, mm -hmm. you definitely can't. Well, this has been so insightful. Thank you so much for coming Thank on you, the Chloe. show. And if you want to stay connected to all the wonderful work that Marilyn is doing, please check her out at www.mhjohnson.com. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Chloe. This has been a pleasure.
This has been wonderful. And also if people want to find you at LinkedIn, where, where can they find you on LinkedIn? They can find me at, on LinkedIn at MH Johnson. We have our own LinkedIn page and something really, really quick. I wanted to share. Sure, please. Another, another venture that I am working with another uh, solopreneur is a solopreneur summit. And so we are, that. yeah, we are trying to share knowledge with all of the solopreneurs out there. And that is at um, www.soloceosummit.com. Yeah. That is yeah. wonderful. So many solo entrepreneurs really, really need yeah. help. Yeah. And we have a ton of resources. All are free. Wow. Yeah. Did you hear, can you repeat that one more time? One <laughs> more time. There's a ton of resources out there that we have compiled and all the resources are free. That is we wonderful. have um, webinars, we have guru talks where people can just listen on how to build that journey out. I, you know, I told you I started 21 years ago and there was no roadmap. Mm. And I felt like if there is a way to help somebody, there's a community of solo CEOs out there that's looking for some assistance. We want to share. Well, thank you so much. And I, I this is your give back season and you're, you're feeling philanthropic. I hope that a lot of these solo entrepreneurs really do take advantage yeah. of it. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for all of this knowledge. Thank you for all the work that you're doing to just continue to elevate supplier diversity and training this, this, you know, small community, but growing community it is. Of, of, of small and medium-sized businesses. So just it is. thank you. Thank you for your work. Chloe, thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.